0: Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for the gift of uh, these amazing teachers and educators. I thank you, Lord, for just creating the space for us today before the, just the mayhem and chaos of another school year starts, Lord, to give us a chance to recenter our hearts and minds on the great call you've given us, that you've invited us to labor in the vineyard, that nobody can do what we have been asked to do. You've made us for a definite purpose. And Lord, by your providence, you have placed this team together at this time in this place with these students, because in your design, this is the most optimal, the best situation to bring about our sanctity and their sanctity, that they are your gift to us, the students, and we are your gift to them. None of this is coincidental. None of this is an accident. Jesus, fill our hearts and minds with just a renewal, a renewal this morning. Remind us, Lord, of that first encounter we had with you. And if we haven't yet encountered you, Lord, give us just fresh eyes, humble hearts, and vulnerability to to be encountered by you. And we entrust ourselves in this time to you, Mary, as we pray, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it was kind of fun listening to John give his talk, because like, as he was talking, I kept hearing, Father Pat's going to talk about this, Father Pat's going to talk about that. And I'm like, oh crap, got to put that down. <laughs> So it was fun to hear what my talk was going to be before I gave it. So, that was excellent. Yeah, no, it was like it was like you know set, and I'm about to spike it, I guess. So, um, uh, yeah. So I the first thing that I was on my heart this morning when I was sitting with Jesus that I want to just share is is what he 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 said that like, um, just how like truly outstanding this school is. Like I know like you you who have been in it, you sometimes lose perspective on it. But uh, just like from an outsider. So I'm like, I'm a year in. August 4th was my one year with you guys. Um, So that's, oh, thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause. That's okay. So, um, Cinnamon, you're my favorite. Okay, so, um, yeah, August 4th was one year. So I just as a reminder, like I didn't go to Catholic school growing up. So I was public school educated. And um, my first exposure to Catholic schools was when I was on my internship. So that's year uh, seven of the nine. So I was assigned to St. Mary's in Painesville uh, for my year-long internship, and they didn't have a Catholic school there. So, uh, and because I just, like, I never went to Catholic school, I never worked in Catholic school, and I wanted the experience of Catholic school, when I would go home on my day off on Wednesday, when I would go back to Hudson, I spent um, just a good chunk of the, the school day with the teachers and kids at Seton Catholic School, which is the school in my hometown. Um, it just formed awesome relationships with those teachers, and... Um, the kids and uh, confirmation sponsor to a number of the kids throughout the years and working with, you know, I've done just spiritual direction with teachers and counseling with them. And it's just, it's just been an amazing gift uh, to be part of that school's life and, and that community. But So that was my first exposure, Seton Catholic, and I thought that was outstanding. Um, and then uh, my diaconate assignment, I was assigned to St. Joe's in Strongsville, and I worked a lot with St. Joseph and John School, which is uh, it's just, it's one of the bigger, bigger schools in the diocese. It's, it's, it's quite large. Um, Again, awesome school, great teachers, great people. Uh, My last assignment was at Communion of Saints in Cleveland Heights. And uh, just like here, I was in the school quite a bit, um, teaching, you know, like I do here, you know, fourth through eighth grade. And uh, it was awesome. Okay, so I come to Sacred Heart. And um, when I say I was blown away by what I see going on here, um, I was so blown away, like so blown away. I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that, like, was one of the first instances that I realized, holy smokes, there's something amazing happening at this school. It was October. Um, it was when we were doing the, the the rosary. You know, the rosary that we do every, is it Wednesday that we do? Mm-hmm. Ah, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. So, um, and, uh, so we use all the incense and make your kids faint. That's always the best. <laughs> Who's going down today? <laughs> so, but I, I go into the sacristy, like, like, 45 minutes early it was the first time I've been doing the rosary here exposition all these things um, and uh, I got a little prayer time in and I thought okay this will be perfect I'll get everything set up because it was my assumption that I as the priest had to do all the setup and because uh, like certainly no one else is going to be able to do this and certainly the kids aren't going to know how to do this but I got in there I finished my prayer time and this whole crew of, of seventh graders comes into the sacristy and they just start setting up and like I just was watching it all happen, just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Like, and they knew the words for the things, right? Like the 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 kneeler, the pray-do, the thurible, the um, I think it was uh, Dominic Fortunato who asked, Father, where's that green book that you use for the prayer after benediction? I'm like, what? Who? <laughs> what seminary do you go to? Like, who the heck are you? One of them asked, Father, wait, where's the uh, where's the humeral veil? I'm like, what? I didn't know what a humoral veil was. I was like a senior in college at Port Mayo, right? Like, blown away, totally. I'm like, this is different. There's something different going on at this school, um, and then getting to know you guys and just like being part of your classrooms and seeing the way that you interact with the kids. It's just, it's just different and it's amazing. Like, I really am convinced that um, that like we have one of the best Catholic schools in the diocese, and I. I I'm not like an authority figure on it, but I'm kind of an authority because, like, the, the, you probably heard the bishop, you know, the last two years we're doing this Catholic schools, like, dream big think tank thing, just kind of looking at how to, um, just make our Catholic schools bigger. Keeping the faith, I think is what it's called. I should know. That's what the, the, the think tank's called. But I'm in charge of the subcommittee on Catholicity and Catholic identity, right? So, like, I'm, I'm part of the group that, um, gets to look at how do we maintain our Catholic identity and make it stronger in our schools. And I just feel so blessed in the Lord's providence and timing that he's brought me to a place where I think it's being done the best. Um, And I brag about Sacred Heart all the time because I think you guys are outstanding. And I'm just so privileged to work with you um, and to partner with you. So I, I, that's, I just think, so important for you to hear. And, and I don't know how often you hear guys who wear these collars say thank you for what you do. And uh, I know John has said it and Father Joe said it, but just like from my own heart, um, gosh, you could be doing a lot of other things and making a lot more money other places, working in public schools and, and all those sorts of things. But, like, the fact that you have chosen to put down roots and to, to, mission, to be on mission here... Um, is amazing. And it is, it is in many ways a thankless job. There's so much that you do that's behind the scenes that, that I certainly don't know that, I mean, the parents don't know probably the only people that really know are your spouses, right? <laughs> like you go home you're like, you wouldn't believe what I had to do. Um, you know, that uh, there's just so much. And there's just um, the person who does know, who does see it all is the Lord and like how awesome it's going to be, you know, when you stand before the Lord and he gets to say, thank you for like every little thing that you thought went unnoticed. He will say thank you for every child that you had extra patience with and every nose that you wiped and, like, everything that you that was done in, like, your careers that happens in your classrooms that, that you think isn't seen. Like, heaven looks at it and says, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Like, thank you. You're doing a great job. It's so awesome. So the Lord's doing some amazing things here at this parish, not, not just, like, uh, and the school side, but also in the parish, he's creating some amazing opportunities for our, our our parish and school to be moving in some amazing directions to, to bring the gospel in a new, a new and powerful ways to our our community, to the people of Wadsworth, who like we are responsible for. Right, Sacred Heart exists not for the people who simply come to our parish whose butts fill our pews, but our parish exists for the sake of every soul who's in our parish boundaries. Um, there are. Tens of thousands of people in this community um, who don't yet know Jesus, but whose hearts are hardwired and made for the love of Christ. That we have the answer to the spiritual cancer that is in the culture. We have the banquet that corresponds to people's hunger. And we're, we're in a position, we're becoming more and more equipped as a parish to kind of bridge the communication gap uh, with our community to say, hey, like, come to the feast. We have so much to offer you. Um, not only in the parish, but also in the school. The Lord's doing some amazing things. One of the one of the amazing things I want to brag about is uh, the new um, youth minister, director of discipleship that we've hired. Her name is Claire Cordoni. Has anybody met her yet? Okay, Renee has. Okay, so a few of us have. Okay, so um, Claire replaced Taylor Gosiako, who was our youth minister for 10 years. Um, Taylor was part-time, and Taylor did an amazing job with uh, the youth program and confirmation program and all those sorts of things. And um, But his uh, his... Family is exploding in size. And um, <laughs> so he's got baby number six. Well, uh, due in, uh, I think it's around Thanksgiving. But they're having a girl. If you haven't heard, it's pretty awesome. Five boys and a little girl. Um, I, I think that's going to be so great. That's going to be so fun to watch. <laughs> but the, uh, so so yeah, so early, like towards the end of the year, he kind of let the staff know he was going to be stepping away. And it just created this opportunity for us to, to bring somebody on board, bring somebody on staff who... Um, could be full-time and could step into this sort of missionary role um, in terms of like forming our young people, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, but also to be a missionary with you and for you in the school. Um, So Claire couldn't be with us today. She's doing a, uh, she's part of um, this uh, week-long equipping thing that uh, is taking place in Minnesota for Net Ministries stands for National Evangelization Team. She did that for two years. She put retreats on every single day. She lived in Scotland for like 11 months before COVID. Um, So anyway, she's with them um, today, so she couldn't be with us. So uh, she sent us a little video message. I just want to play this real quick so you can meet her and see her and just hear from her heart. So let's...
1: I'm so sad that I can't be there today in person with all of you, but please know my prayers for you as you go throughout this day and as you start the school year this week. So I come to you with a background in both education and ministry. I went to undergrad at Welsh University for early childhood education and intervention specialist. So I love being in the classroom. I love interacting with students. And then right after I graduated from undergrad, I did two years of mission work with Net Ministries, and that entailed doing youth retreats every day um, to a new group of students every day. So I really grew in confidence in how I spoke about the faith to small groups, to large groups, to one-on-one conversations. I love to share about the faith. So as I come and I start to implement in the church community, and the school community. I'm excited to partner with all of you. I'm excited to support all of you and I'm excited to hear your own faith journeys. One big goal that I have as I start at Sacred Heart is to just be present. So I'm excited to be in the hallways and just be a smiling face. I'm excited to bring my guitar out and be goofy and play songs between class periods. Um, I'm also just excited to be in the classroom and help out with projects or just offer you support in any way that I can. So please know that as I, I come back into the office in a few weeks that I will be coming over and introducing myself and just know my excitement as we start this school year. Um, and I'm so, so excited to see how God, in sacred heart, just have fire for love of Him and how we share that love with other people and specifically our students and their families. I hope you
0: all have a wonderful day and I look forward to meeting you all in person soon. God bless. Bye, Claire. is she great? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, she is absolutely, oh man, she is so amazing. I, um, I've i worked with a lot of youth ministers over the years and um, worked with, you know, National Life Teen Boards and things like that. And like, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think we've got one of the best I've ever seen. Like, she is unbelievable. Uh, she and Annette was part of the team that interviewed her and we hired her and I mean it was so amazing to like be part of that and um, I just like I was so blown away to see like she's even better than I thought she was gonna be like she is really so great and one of the things that um, I just love about her is just how on fire she is and how much uh, she just is so good at being in relationship with people like one of the very first things that we did she started on a Wednesday and that Friday we took a group of like 15 of our teenagers down to Steubenville for the youth conference and like you thought she would have known them for, like, the last three years, the way that she was with them. It was so awesome. So, like she said, she just she just wants to be present with you. Like, she just wants to be in the school. She'll be a a smiling face that um, just wants to journey with you. And, like, like if you got to, you know, go to the bathroom one day, she's, like, right there in the hallway. Just, can you step in the classroom real quick? Because I've had to pee for the last five hours. So, like, <laughs> she'll be there. She'll be there to help you, like, any way you can, right? Like, that's, like, that's her thing. She just wants to uh, to journey with us and just to not just simply love on the kids, but to love on you, which is really awesome. So uh, one of the things that she said that she talked about was like the Lord's desire to ignite the parish, right? Like that's been a huge thing that's been on my heart, like part of my prayer and dreaming about this parish um, as I've sat with the Lord the past year or so that uh, um, the Lord, like what is in the Lord's heart for our school and for our parish? And and I guess this is the place where I want to start with uh, is... Is this? Maybe you've seen the, the the new logo design. Anybody seen the new logo design? This is the kind of the, one of the designs. The new logo for Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish and School. Um, so if, I just want to talk about this real quick because I think it's going to set the tone for why, um, just what I what, where, where we're going. So as I was um, I don't know months ago talking with Father Joe and just praying and just dreaming about what Jesus has in mind for this parish, what consistently kept coming to mind was the Lord's desire, his burning desire, to see this parish on fire. Um, you remember a few years ago when, when Notre Dame was, was burning down? Who, like, who can ever forget those images? I just remember thinking, watching that in horror, that this is, the, this is the diabolical mockery of what Jesus desires for his church. Like the Lord said, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already blazing. Like the Lord is the spiritual arsonist who sets the earth on fire with Pentecost in a powerful way. That what we see in like the Lord's heart is fire, just fire and this longing to set the, set the earth on fire, set, set hearts on fire. And Notre Dame burning down was the enemy's mockery of what Jesus like longs for his church, a church filled with fire. Has anybody ever been to the Easter Vigil? So a few of us. So the Easter Vigil starts with fire, which is really awesome. It starts with a big bonfire outside of the church where we bless the fire. The church is completely dark inside. We bless the fire. And then that fire ignites the Paschal candle, which represents Christ and his triumph over sin and death and darkness and Satan and all those things. And that candle is brought into the darkness of the church. And from that candle, that flame is spread to everybody else's flame. So what you see in the Easter Vigil is like the triumph, the power, the beauty of Jesus risen in glory, setting his church on fire. What we see in the book of Revelation when we see Mary, who is the personal embodiment of the church, Mary, it says, is clothed with the sun. Like this girl, she's not wearing like Abercrombie. She wouldn't wear Abercrombie, come on. She's not wearing like, I don't know, women's fashion design brands, but she's not wearing any of those things. She's wearing the sun. She's clothed in the sun, which is a fireball that we have to be 93 million miles away from so that we don't turn to a crisp. She's just wearing that like a coat, right? Right. Mary is what Christ longs for his entire church. Mary is what he wants for us personally. Mary is the image of what Jesus wants for our parish and for our school, just on fire. You know, every single saint that's ever seen an image of the Sacred Heart uh, has seen fire. There's a quote, okay. Beginning with Margaret Mary. Is that the image over there? There was it. right there. No, that's a different picture. St. Margaret Mary was the visionary that Jesus revealed his sacred heart to, right? And when she was talking to Jesus in this vision, what she saw, eyes up here, Vanessa, I'm over here. (laughs) You can come stand up here if you want. So Margaret Mary, who saw the image of the sacred heart, um, she could just barely stammer out the words fire. It is just emblazoned with fire the Lord told her that like, my heart is filled with these flames and the flames represent my burning love for souls my burning love for you like every image of the sacred heart is Jesus on fire I'm not a big fan of this one but you have more modern images that's something huh But every image is his heart like on fire. I, I particularly love this one. Um, this is this image is in the, the new Roman missal on the feast of the Sacred Heart. Um, why I love this one is like all the other ones. You see Jesus like pointing to his heart, but in this image you see Jesus like offering his heart. Like his heart is on fire. And before we go anywhere else today, you know, before we get into any of anything else practical, like what you need to hear again and again, what I need to hear again and again is that the Lord's heart is burning, not just for like (laughs) y'all, like it's burning for you. Like he is so desirous of you. He's longing for you, like for you to encounter him. Or if you've already felt like you've encountered him, for you to encounter him again. Like the Lord never is just like stagnant in his relationship with us. He's never just saying like, okay, like cinnamon's good right here. We'll just let her be in this place for like the next three years and then we'll come back and then take her to the next place. Like, no, that's not how it is with Jesus. Like, and that's not how it is with fire. Fire is never stagnant. It's never just like static in the fireplace, right? It's, all, it's always in the process of transforming more and more and more and more. And one of my favorite images of this is St. Uh, John of the Cross who talks about the Lord's burning heart that he says like souls, like a, like a log cast upon a fire. Initially, there's like like when you put a log on a fire, it hisses and pops and, and there's charring and darkness and all these things. Like that's the initial stages of our conversion, our initial stages of being drawn into the depths of Jesus, right? There's like purifying, there's purgation, there's stuff that gets burned away, stuff that we have to let go of, stuff that like, that, we have a let, that we've let accrue to our souls, sins, habits, addictions, ways of thinking, patterns, patterns of behaving. All that stuff initially has to get burned away, and it's a painful process, that initial purgation. But that's not just, that's not the end, right? Like, you put a log in a bonfire, you just, like, like a second later, you can reach in, grab it, move it, and adjust it. But you let it sit there for, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes. You reach in to grab it again. What's going to happen to your hand? You're going to get burned. Why? Because the fire has literally entered into the log. The log itself, the thing itself, has become fire, right? It has become fire. So, why Mary again is the image of like what Jesus longs for you? Like, I don't think people, I don't think as a church we do a good enough job of preaching or like sharing the vision of like, do you know how like what how deep he wants to go with you? Do you know how much he wants for you? Like, do you know that like he's never just like settled like this is good enough. This is as far as she's gonna get. This is as far as he's going to get in his spiritual life. He's never just settled. Like his heart is burning to bring you even more love, even more mercy, even like new encounters. The psalm says his mercies are new every day. Like we have to get in the habit of thinking, like I have to get in the habit of thinking, I cannot exist today on yesterday's grace. I cannot exist today on yesterday's grace. I need a new and fresh encounter with him every single day. Because the reality is there are so many voices in our world, there's so many voices in our interiority that are claiming our attention and like all of these things. And if I don't have constantly alive in my heart, the voice that anchors me in the truth of who I am and what I'm called to be, if I don't have that voice clear in my heart, I'm going to be dragged into dark places real fast. I'm going to be dragged towards coping mechanisms into escapes And Jesus is saying, I didn't make you for mediocrity. I made you to shine. I made you to be glorious. I made you for such a beauty that you would just die if you actually saw it. Like the Lord sees your heart. He sees your story. He knows you. He knows you. Like I just think that's so important. Like this past year with all of the crap, like all of the frustrations, all of the fear and confusion, all of the turmoil, all of it. Everything that you've personally been through in your life, in your marriage, and your family, all of the ups and downs, and everything before that, like the Lord is intimately involved and present to your story. He says, Your story matters. Your heart matters. Like the very first question that the Lord asks humanity in the gospels comes in the book of Genesis. And it's where are you? It's the very first question. Where are you? And it's when Adam and Eve have grasped the fruit and they've hidden out of shame and fear. And I think so often we hear the Lord, the tonality of his voice, shouting like, like, uh, like in The Shining, that guy breaking down the door, like God's coming for us, this angry, drill sergeant, disappointed father. Where are you? What have you done? That's not his voice. That's not the father's voice. So where are you? Like, we were, like, right here. This beautiful communication, this beautiful conversation. And now you're gone. Like, where are you? So, like, as you come into this year right now, as you're just getting prepared to, like, take on all the new challenges, everything, like, like the Lord wants to meet you where you are, right? I know we say that all the time. Meet people where they're at. It's like, well, where else would you meet them? I don't know. Like, but he... So often, like, like, you might be here, but maybe your heart's, like, like, stressed out and freaking about the classroom and the textbooks and you're over there in the school right now being like, oh, I haven't set anything up. I'm, like, <gasps> maybe that's where your heart's at. Or maybe you just dropped off a kid for school and your heart's just, like, there. Maybe you're in a very sad, dark place and no one else knows about it. Like, but that's, that's the place where the Lord wants to meet you. That's the place. That's, like, that's the stuff that he wants to engage you on. Now, here's the other great thing. The first question that Jesus asks in the, in the New Testament to humanity is not where are you, but and what do you desire? Like the first question, where are you? And the second question, what do you desire? What are you longing for? In other words, like, what's going on in your heart? John's Gospel, you got these disciples of John the Baptist following Jesus, and Jesus turns and looks at them and asks the question, what are you looking for? What do you desire? Like, the Lord wants to encounter us, like, in our hearts. Like, that's the thing that's been missing in a big way in the church's evangelization and catechesis for the past 50, 60 years. We've had lots of scriptures and sacraments. We've had lots of catechetical instruction. We've had lots of preaching. All of them are necessary and important. But when you look at the numbers, when you see like, how the church has continuously declined, it's not because we've not done like, enough preaching or scriptures or catechesis or any, any of the rest. It's that we've been failing to engage the heart because the heart is where the encounter happens. The heart I'm not talking about is, it's not just the meat beating muscle in the center of your chest. The heart is like, it's the place where you are alone with you. It's the place where like as a spouse, it's the place where you have let another person into. It's the thing that you want to share with someone. It's the place where we have a lot of fears and insecurities and hopes and dreams. It's the place where we, where we hide the heirlooms of our, like, our life. The things that we find to be particularly precious, but we know that if we let anybody else see it, they would just laugh at it and scoff at it. The heart is that deepest center in you where you are alone with yourself. That's the place where God wants to speak. That's where he wants to dwell. Like the heart is where encounter happens. And because we've not been really good at talking about or preaching about the heart, there's not been a lot of encounter. And that's, that's, like, that's the problem. Like We have to, we have to like renew our encounters with the Lord, meaning we have to again and again and again let the Lord into our hearts so that that fire that's in his heart can be in our hearts so that we can become who we're meant to be so that we can be luminaries and witnesses and evangelists like we've been called to be. But like all of that is so hard. Like, and it's scary. It's very scary to do this. It's scary to let someone into the heart. Like, it's why, we, why, it's why we stay guarded with people. It's why we keep people at an arm's distance. Because it requires immense vulnerability, because there's so much fear that, man, I could get hurt. Like, Jesus, I don't know if I can let you into this. And like, I don't even really know how to do that. But that's the answer, to let the Lord deeper into our heart. Because the thing is, like, lives change. And like, they change for the better when... When people encounter Jesus, that's the bottom line lives change and they change for the better. When people encounter Jesus, when like there's a heart to heart connection, like the sacred heart of Jesus is beating and it's beating for you and it's beating for your students and it's beating for this parish. But like the Lord wants this heart to heart, not heart to head connection. He wants a heart to heart connection. It's deeper than the mind. It's deeper than the intellect. It's the affect. It's the will. It's the, The ooey-gooey, unnameable stuff. It's the stuff of feelings and emotions. It's the stuff of our story. Like, the Lord wants to talk to us about, like, our lives, heart to heart. I want to show you a quick video I put together last night. I interviewed two of our Sacred Heart students. Um, They're going to be eighth grade. Jack Allen's one of them. Um, And Lincoln uh, Reeling, is that his last name? Okay, so I interviewed Jack and, and Lincoln. Because this past summer, Jack and Lincoln went to what John was referring to. um, They went down to Catholic Youth Summer Camp to Damascus for a week of of camp. Um, Catholic Youth Summer Camp, I I got to know them about five years ago. It's it's an incredible 500-acre property and is located in Centerburg, Ohio, um, with full-time missionaries, college-age people who are just so radically on fire for Jesus and the Lord. Over the summer, they have uh, nine weeks of camp where they run a middle school week and a high school week simultaneously, 250 kids per week. It's a ton of kids on campus, right? And all they're doing is creating a space and a time for kids to encounter Jesus in a radical way, um, for them to like, have that heart-to-heart connection. And so like, I, I cut this video together that intersperses little elements from some of their promotional materials, but also some, some uh, Jack and, and uh, Lincoln responding to it, um, to questions I was asking them. Just real quick, like this was Jack's first summer going down to, to Damascus, right? He's been
1: there for closing
0: masses. Right, okay. Close, yeah, he was never as a camper. Like, what was he, what was he like leading up to the week? Yeah, it's great. So, like I said, when people have that heart-to-heart encounter with Jesus, just lives change. So let's just let's just watch this real quick. I want to go to... The vision for Damascus is to bring revival to the Catholic Church in
2: America. We want to see awakened parishes, schools, and families on fire with the love of Jesus Christ and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What we're hungry for is to see the transformation of culture. Every every parish has a culture. Every Catholic school has a culture. And unfortunately, so many of these parishes and schools around the country are filled with apathy. Damascus is seeing the complete change in culture, where we're seeing parishes and schools set on fire for the love of Jesus Christ. Young people who are excited to talk about their faith, excited to plug into families, that our young people are going back home and their families are becoming more engaged in the sacramental life of the church and far more engaged in their parish and the school, bringing their faith into their everyday lives. I just kind of went to mass just because it's kind of the thing we do. So yeah, I was sort of just like say things, and I, didn't really, I couldn't really talk to God. Uh, like adoration and stuff and then like when we did like when we sang the song and like everyone's hands is up for me it's kind of the same thing but i like when we did the prayer ministry when we're all praying on each other like at that moment i could really feel like you know god was here and uh, that this is, this is a good place to be sure.
1: the missionaries are one of the big reasons why our kids are drawn to the well at camp the well of christ because you have these fun, energetic, awesome, like, cool people to look up to. They're not your parents. And they're not your aunts and uncles. They're not being telling people, okay, you need to do this. They're not rules. It's just their energy that brings you in. Um, yeah, I would say the missionaries have had the biggest effect on our kids as examples at camp. Um, I think
2: they, they really helped us, like, get, like, into the stuff that we're doing, like they help us, yeah, like pray and stuff, and like make it exciting. Like it's just like cool because like everyone's there for God, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all crazy him at the same time. And I can like, I can like imagine how happy he is about that, you know. It was kind of like a, like you could feel it going in, and it was kind of almost palpable. Like like right when I got in, I could just feel it. It was very powerful. I could tell that everybody was there, not just because
0: there's something to do. but so Jesus did not say, I came to make them boring. So I came to give them life to the full. And I see that fire, I see that joy of the Lord when I meet people from Damascus. You live the Christian life the whole week when you're there. You live it in a way that's showing these kids
2: how to have fun in a way that's wholesome. They don't have to be idiots to have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And when I include God in my life, it gets fuller. He's not taking stuff away. And day by day, they're seeing how to do that, how to have Christian friendship, how to have an intentional prayer life. It's so attractive. Me and him, as a guy who's been in ministry for like 20 years,
2: it's, it renews my spirit to see that lived out in such a, a radical, intentional, joyful way. It was like, I don't know, it was just like the whole is here. It was just kind of like people were just sitting there. Like, even me, I wasn't really thinking about anything. But when we were there you could tell that people were really like connected with God and they were really into it and so was I. Just here like when everyone sings and I was kinda just like like meh <laughs> like there everyone's like screaming and jumping up and down. Yeah. Jesus was there. I could feel him and I don't know, like it just felt stronger. They really focused on like Jesus' sacrifice for us and how he did it for like me and like makes me think of like i need to like praise the lord and thank Him for that and like pray better And like when i go to mass, i have to really pay attention and think about that stuff and do all this things i i think a lot a lot more about what i do now like even like what i'll watch on tv i don't watch a lot of stuff that i did before because it goes against our faith a little bit you know, i pray like talk to god and like sometimes i pray at rosary and i never used to you know, I just like sometimes just randomly I'm like okay I'll put the razor i do Everybody says God's there and I knew he was there before because you know just everybody said it. But now I myself have proof. I've experienced him in my life so I know for sure that he is there. It's probably like the most fun I've ever had in you know, being out there. Like you get to grow in your faith and they do a bunch of fun stuff you think it's going to be boring because like they really do the same thing like Catholics are fun, you know, they're not boring, and they are. They're more fun than anyone's right now.
0: was that I mean so great one of the things that I just I'm so excited about is that uh, Claire is just like one of those missionaries and she's just going to be with us like living life with us and living life with your students and and you and uh, and not only that but we're going to be partnering with with Damascus missionaries you're going to be coming to run um, our middle school youth group once a month um, here uh, which is going to be outstanding so middle school teachers like you have some amazing spiritual like Marines coming to back you up and to like help set your kids hearts on fire even more to support what you're doing in the classroom. So that it's not just simply you imposing things upon them or them feeling like it's like a teaching that's being posed upon them, but like from their own encounter with the Lord, they're going to be like hungering and desiring to know it even more. It's just all good. It's just all so good, you know? So this, I want to talk about this, uh, even more this notion of encounter and, uh, the, um, The road to Emmaus is one of my favorite stories of all time, just for, I mean, so many reasons. But one of my favorite details of the story is the fact that, like, Jesus didn't stop these guys before they left Jerusalem. And he wasn't, like, waiting at Emmaus, tapping his foot at the city gate, disappointed in them. Like, these two disciples who, they were told to stay in the city. Like, they were told, everything in Luke's gospel has momentum towards Jerusalem. Everything is about getting to Jerusalem, And now you've got these guys walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking in the wrong direction. And my God, this is all of us. So often in different seasons of our life that we are walking in wrong directions or maybe not in like the best direction. And the Lord, he doesn't stop them before they leave and he doesn't wait for them at the city gate. It says he accompanies them along the way and he walks with them. And he begins to engage their hearts. He's asking them questions like this is how Jesus, like this is how Jesus wants to like love you. Like I don't know what image you have of the Lord in your mind of like what He's thinking about you or how He looks at your heart, but like this is how the Lord wants to love you. He wants to walk alongside you and to ask you like What are you talking about?" Like that's the question. Yes, what are you talking about as you walk along the way? In other words, what's going on in your heart? Tell, like share with me. And then they ask this question: Like, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened here in these many days? And I just picture Jesus being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> And then he goes, no, what things? That's <laughs> so what he says. He plays dumb. He plays dumb. Like, I don't know about you, but like so often in my own spiritual life, in my, life, my walk as a disciple, I have just treated Jesus like a mind reader. Like I just treat him and, and expect him to, to know what's going on. And that just shuts down all communication. But what you see in the gospel, what you see like him doing over and over again is the Lord condescends, he lowers himself down to this level of humanity, and he says, like, what sort of things? Like, I want to hear from your heart. Just like when he's, like, talking to Bartimaeus, the blind man, right? Like, Jesus can see that this is a blind man, and he can see that he's been begging beside the road, and he comes up to him, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> As if, like, uh hello jesus like fix his eyeballs okay like (laughs) obvious like but that's what he does he engages the heart he asks what like what are you talking about and what i love as they get to the city right jesus it says they the disciples go to like settle in to make camp and he starts he just keeps walking and they call him back they say stay with us, lord for it is getting dark and he settles in makes camp they do the whole breaking of the bread they recognize him and he disappears from their sight what I love about that so much is that Jesus was willing to walk further, farther in the wrong direction than they were. Like, he's willing to walk farther in the wrong direction than you. And, and I just, like, someone who's walked with a lot of parents who have the heartbreak of kids who aren't living the faith anymore, I just want to share this with you in particular. That if that's part of your story, your kids have, like, left the faith or they're walking in wrong directions, like, I just don't want you to despair in any way because the Lord walks farther in the wrong direction than your kids are walking. And he walks faster than them. And, like, he's already anticipating where they are going to be. Like, we can't outpace him. We can't outrun him. So just take a lot of hope in that, that, like, the good shepherd is not just like, well, fine. Forget you, dumb sheep. You're on your own. <laughs> he walks farther in the wrong direction. And then so he disappears and they say, were not our hearts burning when we walked along with him. Like, that's the sign of Jesus. Like, that's what an encounter with Jesus feels like. So often, we don't see him with our eyes, but our hearts that were made by God are designed to know when the Lord is close. There's all these moments throughout your life, whether they're in church, out of church, when you're, like, driving down, you know, Rimer Road, and you see that sunset, that amazing Wadsworth sunset, and your heart just is like, Right? those are those moments that you want to pay attention to when the Lord is drawing near to you. Like, the Lord is not just waiting for you in this church to encounter you. He draws near to you. The first paragraph of the Catechism, paragraph 1, says at all times and in all places, the Lord draws near to man to make his love known. Like, he, he's drawing near, like right now. Like right now, he is drawing near to you when they were walking in the wrong direction is when he drew near like so often these encounters with the lord the lord encounters us in our in our brokenness in our woundedness like we want him to encounter us in our virtue in our strengths and our power and when i'm all put together and polished and when i've just given this great teaching and like oh man all the parents love me i've got no emails in my inbox i'm the best teacher in the world <laughs> right like jesus what do you think about me and you want to put something on the refrigerator in heaven, right? Like he he wants to encounter us. yeah, sure he encounters us there but like where we are like most apt to encounter Jesus the living mercy is precisely in our sin and our brokenness. And like this is not time for confession, my God, but like the there's not one of us in this church tonight who this afternoon, this morning, my God, who um who doesn't have a heart full of like stuff and junk and frustrations and pain and hurts. What we've learned to do throughout the course of our life is just kind of cope with it. That's what we do. We just cope. We do a lot of coping. Like Jesus did not come so that we could just cope better. He came to transform that. He didn't come just to make us good. He came to make dead people alive. Like he loves your heart, every part of your heart. And that's where he wants to encounter you. And like when you allow yourself to be encountered in those places, what happens is that like that kind of love that's so shocking and it doesn't make sense. How, Lord, could you love one such as me? When you taste that love, when you experience that love and when you do that on a routinely basis, what it's doing is it's generating in you this thing called discipleship. Like, a person who encounters that love and who lives out of that encounter is the kind of person who is a disciple. Like, that's what a disciple is. It's someone who's met the Lord in his love and who's been overwhelmed by, holy crap, How you love me? Like, your eyes are on my eyes. You love me? That's discipleship. That's what generates in us a whole new way of being, a whole new way of relating, a whole new way of loving, a whole new way of teaching. To teach from the posture of, of, like, being loved by the Lord. Like, so imagine for a second, like, if this chair is, like, communion with Jesus, right? Like, like in this chair, I feel immensely loved by him, known by him, seen by him. I feel precious. I, like, my identity is secure. Like, I can see my problems in the correct perspective. Like, this chair is communion with the Lord, right? This is where the Lord wants us to live. This is where he wants you to relate to your husband, your, your, your kids, your friends, your neighbors. This is where the Lord wants you to be. So often what happens, though, is we kind of do this. <laughs> and we drift from the, that place. All of a sudden we realize, like, oh, crap, I feel, like, just terrible about life and myself, and I feel like I'm a failure. And then the Lord's like, hey, how about you come on back to the chair? are like, oh, my God, the chair, like, the chair... Oh, the chair rocks. Like, this is where I feel loved. This is where I feel seen and known. Thank you, Lord. Okay. See, often in, like, our lives as, as disciples, we only kind of, we finally catch ourselves when we're, like, like 30 paces away from the chair. Kind of. Like, ah, oh, crap, I gotta get back. Right? Like, the saints are the ones who recognize, like, this movement. Just that subtle shift. And I guess the thing is, like, imagine with me what it would be like to teach this year, like, from the chair. Like, we're all in different places in our stories. you are all in different places in our journey, our, like, walk with the Lord, how deep we know Him, how much we love Him, all those things. Like, we're in very different places. And, like, the Lord knows that. And He knows exactly where you are. And He's okay with that. He's been willing to walk further in the wrong direction than all of us. But like, dream with me what it would be like for us, even more as a as a staff, to like teach from the chair, to teach from this place of relationship with the Lord that's like intimate and powerful. I, I think it would change everything. I know for myself as like a preacher, as a priest, like I, I, I like at least once or twice a day. <laughs> or hour. I have to, like, I get reminded, like, hey, you're not in the chair anymore. You're trying to do it on your own. You're not in the chair anymore. Like, the Lord really means it in John 15 when he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, we so often, like, why do I want to be a branch abdicated from the vine? It's like this deep thing in my heart that's like, like, I, I want to do things on my own. It's like That's not how I made you. Like, Teaching from the chair would change everything. It would just change everything. What it would mean is that you, you weren't just simply like someone who's presenting information for your students. You're someone who's like they would feel the heat coming off of you. Like you would be not just simply a teacher, but a witness. A witness. One of my favorite quotes is, I think it's right here. No. By Pope Paul VI. Pope St. Paul VI. Six. It says, modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it's because they are witnesses. Like, you guys are amazing teachers, absolutely amazing teachers. I want us to be amazing witnesses. And to be there requires, like, an engagement of the heart in a new way that we've never done before. The person I was thinking about when I was praying about this was was Mary Magdalene. She's, my, uh, she's my absolute favorites. I love this painting right here. It's, it depicts Mary when she's at the tomb in the morning of the resurrection. And she's like turning away from Jesus whom she doesn't recognize. She's grief-stricken. She's lost in confusion and pain and just everything. And she thinks that this guy is the gardener. And She's saying, Lord, like she's saying, sir, if you've taken his body, tell me where you've laid it and I'll, I'll come take it. And he just simply says her name. The Lord just simply says her name. Mary. Gosh, I remember like the first time where I felt like I heard the Lord say my name. I remember like feeling uh, like I had waited a long time for that to happen. I... I had been in the seminary for years and, um, you know, trying to pray, struggling with prayer. Um, like, it's the one thing you're supposed to do like, and be good at as a seminarian. Like, you go to med school to be an expert in medicine. You go to the seminary to be an expert in the spiritual life, in relationship with the Lord. And that only happens in prayer. And I remember feeling like, I can't freaking do this. I had been in the seminary about six years and I was at a breaking point and I, I felt like I, I was, I was ready to leave the seminary. Like I got to this point where I just knew I couldn't be a priest if I couldn't speak credibly about him, like as a witness, like I could speak eloquently and powerfully and persuasively about Jesus. I read all the Fulton Sheen books, Scott Hahn Bishop Barron, I, I could quote the saints verbatim. I knew theology very deeply. I understood the faith, and I could like, make people convinced that, man, that dude knows the Lord. But I knew. I freaking knew. I knew that I didn't. Like I knew that I knew about him. but I knew that like, I don't know what the color of his eyes are. I don't know what his voice sounds like. I don't know what name he calls me. I don't know where his favorite places are. Like, those are things you know about a real person, like a person you're close with. Like, if I were to ask you, like, Lisa, like, like name your husband's, like, top three favorite foods. You know those things, right? Or name your daughter's, like, one of her favorite movies. You know that thing. We know, th- we know real things about real people. I didn't feel like I knew anything real about Jesus, I knew the things that I, like, like, all the data you could get about him from the outside is what I knew. I went to this, uh, this 10-week-long spirituality intensive called uh, Institute for Priestly Formation at the University of Creighton in Omaha. And um, I went there because it was the last-ditch effort that I had. Like, it, this was the last card I could play. And I, was, I, was, I told my spiritual director, if this doesn't work... I'm leaving, um, because I just, I I couldn't fathom getting up to try and preach a homily on a Sunday and just like telling people about this person that I didn't know. Mind you, I've been the seminary for six years up to this point. I go to this, this, uh, this, this 10 week long program and it starts with an eight day long silent retreat. And, um, we go to this big conference hall. There's all these seminarians from around the United States. And we hear this, this uh, conference that's given, an address that's kind of like meant to fire us up for the next eight days. And um, the after the conference, we all go start the retreat. And part of it is you make four holy hours a day. So we all scattered throughout the, the campus, go to different chapels. I went to this one chapel in the dorm I was in. And it was already filled up with a ton of guys, a lot of seminarians. And so I, I made my way to this, like, very back part of the chapel, kind of directly facing the tabernacle. And there's all these guys lined up along the edge. And um, they were all, like, this was my image of it. I don't think this is what they were doing, but, like, in my memory, they're all, like. <laughs> like, they were like, they, were, they were, like, I was surrounded by a bunch of, like, holy cards, right? Like, it was, like, a bunch of, like, fresco angels. Uh, Like, dudes who I was so intimidated by, like, oh my gosh, like, those guys are really praying. And I'm, like, in the back going, okay, like, four hours of holy hours. All right, so, like, I just closed my eyes, and I sat there. And in my imagination, which is one of the most beautiful faculties the Lord has given us, it's where he interacts with our story. It's where he speaks. It's where he shows up. Right? In my imagination, this little boy comes up from behind me and like my hands were sitting like this on my lap, and I just like in my imagination again I felt like this hand grabbed my finger and start tugging at me to like get up out of the chair. And I look down and I am like, I just it's like little Jesus. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm trying to pray here, okay? Like just quit distracting me. I'm trying to I'm waiting for a big Jesus, okay? <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I like open my eyes, I'm looking at all these guys, again, who are like, you know, they're like praying to Latin, there's like all, this, all these Latin prayers going up to heaven in my mind for them. And again, like, I feel this like tugging on my finger, and he's got this big red ball under his arm. And he, like, pulls me up out of the chair, again, in my prayer, in my heart, in my imagination. We walk down the center aisle, on either side are all these other seminarians, we sit down in front of the tabernacle, in the very front of the uh, chapel we sit down on the floor, and he just starts rolling the ball back and forth with me. And he's laughing, and I'm just like, okay, right? Thought, I guess this is what we're doing. I just went with it. And that was like the first holy hour. And I left the chapel, and I walked to the center part of the quad, and there was this dad sitting on the grass with his little boy, rolling a red ball back and forth. I was overwhelmed and that's where it all began for me was, was this encounter with this love that made itself little for me um, the Lord knew that my heart at that season of my life was, was just not ready to be encountered by anything big or scary um, like the Lord lowered himself to such a small and adorable package if you will that, um, like, that's how he got it. That's the only reason why I'm a priest today, because I've met Jesus, and he had a red ball, <laughs> and we played. And that's the truth. Like, I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't. Um, but I know that you've been chosen for this. Like, there's... 7 trillion people on this planet, or whatever, billion people on this planet, and any one of them could be here, but the Lord has you here. You've been chosen by God to make the Catholic way of life the most attractive life possible. That's what you've been given the mission and the great privilege of doing, to make this possible, to be a witness. Mary Magdalene, this is why she is the evangelist to the evangelist. When she encounters the Lord... She goes back to them and says, I have seen the Lord. Like, that is my desire for all of us. And I don't know how the Lord's going to do this, this year. And um, all I know is that, like, like, it starts with me in a particular way. Like, like me, my commitment to my heart before the Lord. And also, like, my commitment to you as the teachers. Um, Last year was a hard, weird year, and uh, it was hard just coming in as brand new and all those things. But, like, I just want you to know that I am so committed to you. Like, I am so committed to, like, being on your side, being on your team, being, like, like a real, like, father to you. Like, I want you to know the Lord. Like, I gave up everything so that I could, like, help people meet him. Um, and I just want you to know him, too, so that your students can know him. That's all I desire. And um So however I can help you this year, whether it's like confessions or a spiritual direction, or just like Father Pat, can we go for a walk? Can we talk? Like um, I just want to be that for you. Um, one of the things that I wanted to give you this year was, because was, um, we are doing this religion curriculum switch we're going to talk about more, I guess, in the afternoon after lunch. Um, but the, there, there, it, it is quite a bit more that you're being asked to, to do. Um, but you're not being asked to do it alone, you know, and you're not being asked to do it perfectly, um, and like i want to walk with you in it and one of the things that i wanted to give you to help you is that book echoing the mystery that's i that's my gift to you to you i i i wanted you to have that because i think it's one of the most incredible resources um, that uh it's designed to help you as a disciple to contemplate these things right you cannot give what you don't have and if you haven't Sat to contemplate to like let these truths, let these teachings kind of roll around in your heart you 're not going to have a lot to give on it, right so the, these books are um, we 're going to talk about it more, I guess after lunch, but i 'm going way longer than I thought I was I keep crying i don 't know okay so um, <laughs> it's these books are designed to like help you understand the truths of the faith in in, in just a beautiful and compelling way this is this is like for you to just like let your heart soak in the life-changing truth of of the faith and and to contemplate Jesus, um, so I want to really encourage you to like you're not going to know how to use this if you don't read the first like 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 the introductory pages. So you have to do that for me. You have to read these introductory pages and just like explore it because it's it's really unbelievable. It's really like the more I sit with this, the more I'm like I can't believe like this is. I never need to buy another book. Like, this is, this is everything right here. So uh, I'm just going to close here, I think, because uh, we probably need to eat here sometime. Yeah? Okay. Does anybody have anything, like, any questions or thoughts or anything? I don't know. Anybody else want to cry with me? <laughs> yeah, please. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord God, you are so good. You're so patient with us. You're so desirous of us. You so long to set our hearts on fire that we might set our students' hearts on fire, that they might even go home to set their families' hearts on fire. Jesus, life with you is the best life. Life with you is an adventure. Life with you is the thing that we are all longing for. Everything else is a counterfeit and a sham. Lord, you have called us you've given us the mission, the great privilege of being evangelists, catechists, teachers, formators, witnesses to hope for these students that there is one who loves them and knows them and has amazing plans for them. Lord, may we be the first ones to be convinced of this. May we be utterly convicted that apart from you, life is meaningless. May we be so convicted and just overwhelmed by the story of your salvation. May we be transformed every day anew by the power of the gospel so that we could be missionaries in this school. Jesus, we ask, we're begging for a new Pentecost Let it begin with us and let it spread to our school and to all of this city of Wadsworth. Lord, your desire is to set the world on fire, and we are saying yes to it. Whether it's a big yes or a little yes, we are saying yes. We call upon the intercession of all the angels and saints, especially John Paul II, Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Joseph, the Holy Family. Lord, protect us in your love and lead us to our homeland and we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord be with you. And with your May almighty God bless you the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.